for the first time ever, I was actually looking forward to going to school, which is weird. I go from a straight C and D student to a straight A student. I think it had a lot to do with doing something that I actually genuinely loved. And honestly, I don't say I was a professional until I started going to school because that's where I really started filling my shoes mm -hmm. and feeling like I knew what I was doing for a change and that I was probably worthy of charging people for a change. <laughs> so I've been making money at it for 15 years, but I consider myself a professional when I joined the Academy of Arts. That's this week's podcast guest, Casey Knoop. And he is a veteran of the Coast Guard where he spent most of his career literally chasing bad guys all over the world doing drug interdiction to where he developed a love of photography, came to the academy, developed his skills, built a business along with his wife doing beautiful portraiture and fine art photography. He also has a drone business and some beautiful fine art satellite imagery as well. His story is a really great story in that it shows how somebody can go from, I'm interested in this, I'm excited about this, to actually taking their education to the highest level to create a lifetime career out of it. So without much more babbling, here is Casey Knoop. Really the Academy of Arts and why I got here, I think I, I, I probably owe most of that to my wife. About 10 years through my career, she, with all her infinite wisdom, decided, hey, whatever, whatever you're gonna do after you retire, we need to decide what that is now because I don't want you hanging around all the time. <laughs> a very polite wife nudge. I've had those before too. I don't care where you go, just not here. Exactly. I like my house the way it is, and you don't always keep it that way. So that's where we kind of start with that. I didn't want to do law enforcement anymore. By the time I was going to retire, I knew by then I'd really be um, done with law enforcement, especially that's all I did for 20 years. I didn't really have anything else going on. I, I could probably continue to drive boats, but didn't want to do that either. But I was doing photography at the time. We had a friend of ours who was a professional photographer, and she was kind of pushing us in that direction. She said, you know, she kind of explained to me that I had a natural eye for it. And, you know, honestly, I'd always taken photos and always done photography, but I don't think I ever really took it seriously. But my wife, Carolyn, she took it. She started taking that seriously. So she thought, yeah, I think we can pull this off. And she's got the business degree. So she took that and started um, plugging our friends and offering free photo sessions. So once we did some free photo sessions and the word got out and then it just kind of spread from there. Fast forward 10 years. Well, now it's coming time for me to retire and I'm self-taught and I'm bored. I want some more information on photography. I've read all the books I could. I've looked up online all the best I could. And, you know, we're kind of worried about what I'm going to do. Well, while I'm deployed, Carolyn finds the Academy of Art University, starts making phone calls. She could probably explain this one a little bit better than I can. We were just talking about this yesterday. So if you want to jump in anytime, babe. But she made the phone call and essentially it's, she said, this place is geared around you. You know, she's the operations behind it. She's the brains behind it. The stuff I don't like to do. I'm the creative mind. My brain skips, especially when it comes to stuff I don't want to do. It just starts skipping. But with photography, I'm focused, I'm in. And the Academy of Art offered all the tools and all the talents that would get me and keep me interested and make me want to go. So that was it. I told Carolyn, when I retire, I don't want anything else. I want the Academy of Arts. That's it. We've looked at other things, but I know I want the Academy of Arts. I was just bored to death. I was tired of taking pictures of families. I was tired of taking pictures of kids. I was moderately okay with landscapes and whatnot, but I, I knew there was more to a camera and more to photography than what my simple mind had created. Again, I'm self-taught. 
So I knew that the academy would at least help me there. And then to be honest with you, I, I got into the academy. I dove in head first. And my first semester, I was introduced to photographers like Dwayne Michaels and his sequence photography and Ralph Gibson and the stuff that they do. And it, my mind was blown. And I kind of had this renewed vision and this motivation to really take my photography in a different direction. So I took the stuff that I learned from the academy and I applied it to the business. And, you know, like I said, I, I put a Dwayne Michaels twist on a, a senior mm. photography session or a Ralph Gibson twist on a family photography session. And then I started getting really good at landscapes and I started incorporating families with landscapes. And, you know, I, the boredom just kind of went out the window and I had enough families that trusted me that would just, hey, do what you do. And I, I had a vision and they would let me apply that vision and it just kind of soared from there. Oh, wow. That, that's great because, I mean, that is one of those things where, you know, photography has changed so much. I, I, I started my career as a photographer and a lot of people, there's this, there's this thing now where digital is so easy that you don't have to learn photography. But at the same time, just last week, I found a film camera, bought a roll of film and started taking pictures with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. Why did we do this? This is so hard. What? made you pick up the camera? Was it you wanted to artistically express yourself or was it a tool? Oh man, I think uh, in high school, I had a friend of mine who was a photographer and at the time I was an aspiring rock star and he wanted to do a photo session with me with my guitar. And we, I think like six hours later, we were still going and he was showing me long exposures and we were like putting fire and flames around me and, <laughs> and it was cool, you know? And I thought that's okay. I love that. So that always kind of kept me. And I think I always kind of dabbled, but then once on deployment, we happened to be up in Seattle and I found a camera on the side of the road or somewhere over there. And I asked around asked some people if they belonged to them. Nobody, nobody claimed it. So I took it back to the hotel room that night, and this is years later, you know, and all my guys, they were out, they went out to the closest bar, they were drinking themselves to death. And I stayed in my hotel room with this camera and I figured out long exposure. And again, and this is now by myself. So six hours later with flashlights and I was creating all <laughs> sorts of crazy scenes. So it just kind of got into that. And then fatherhood happens mm -hmm. and you know, every, what parent doesn't try to capture their stupid kids. So, but you know, that started happening. And then that's when Carolyn started keying in, like, we could do something with this. You do great things with our kids. So my kids were the test subjects forever. So it just kind of, you know, it starts off as a pebble and then just turns into this, or starts off as a seed and then just kind of blossoms into this, what turned out to be a career mm -hmm. and start off as a fun hobby, watching my buddy set me to flames. And then now I'm making money with it. You know, so. I don't want to skip over it because you know, you had, you'd mentioned before that you know, you worked in law enforcement, you served in the Coast Guard, correct? That's correct. Yeah. What, what was the impetus to go into the Coast Guard and then, you know, how it blossomed? Because, you know, that's something I, it, it, to me, because I'm going to ask you about skateboarding too. A lot of skateboarders and a lot of military guys end up having a career in arts. It's funny you bring in skating because I'm an 80s kid. All right. So sure. I've just aged myself. I'm 47 years old. So in the 90s, early 90s was when that movie Point Break came out with right. Keanu Reeves and Patrick sure. Swayze. And it was the president of the United States of Rob Banks, but yeah. what was the key thing? They were surfers. Right. So I'm a small town kid from New Mexico and I grew up watching the eighties movies and all these kids in California, you know, like pretty in <laughs> pink and all those stuff. And I just wanted to be those kids. Well, then 
Point Break comes out and like, that's it. I want to skydive and I want to surf. Those are two things I want to do. So, and I, I'm going to college and I'm doing real estate at the time and the real estate market crashes and I'm young, I'm stupid. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I thought, I, I kept thinking about that. And I run into a friend of mine one night and he says, Hey, I'm joining the Coast Guard. Come say goodbye to me at my going away party tonight. The Coast Guard. I've seen that in movies. I think I've seen sure. it on Baywatch. Everybody loves it when you hear it on Baywatch, but whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> the I go to his improvement ever. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like anybody else. Yeah. The Coast Guard are the guys that drive around on the white boats off the boat, off the shore and run around without shirts on, which is not at all the case, but whatever. <laughs> we'll get into that too. He tells me all about it. And I'm kind of in a position in life where I'm, I'm fed up with college. I want to get out of Dodge. I mean, I'm in the middle of New Mexico. You know, there's a ton of beach there, but no water attached to it. And I still want to surf. I want to skydive. And he leaves. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to join the Coast Guard because I'd have no doubt they have Coast Guard in Southern California. They got to have in San Diego and LA where I can skydive and I can surf. Okay. And that's kind of, it's again, funny you bring that up. That's how I joined the Coast Guard because I saw Point Break and I wanted to skydive and surf. And I knew, I assumed the Coast Guard would get me in San Diego where I could do both of that, which it did. As I got on the Coast Guard, my career blossomed into law enforcement where I did all drug interdictions and stuff like that down off Central and South America. But I did. I joined the Coast Guard. I got out to California. I skydived. I started surfing. And then as a result of surfing, I started skating. And yeah, there we go. And why? Growing up, I was a musician. I did a lot of art. My mother was very creative. She did everything. So I think I just, I was kind of brought up, brought up in this kind of creative world between my mom and my father, introduced to music, et cetera. So I think an artist is just kind of within me. Um, and I think that's interesting that you bring that up with military guys. I think sometimes with a lot of military peeps, you, you always hear the cliche that they retire and they just kind of keep doing what they've been doing with law mm -hmm. enforcement or whatever. But there's a lot of us that want something completely different. You know, we want to shoot something different as opposed to a rifle. We'd rather shoot with a camera. I think it's just, we have all these ideas floating about and yeah, we want to pick something up that's going to kind of bring that out. And, and, you know, and you know, not to try and make this a therapy session, but a lot of people we've been talking to lately have devolved into therapy sessions. It's very therapeutic. It was a great way to express. And that sounds so cliche as well, but. Like I said, spending six hours at one night and learning long exposure and doing all these crazy, weird light painting things was just fun. And then one idea came after another, after another, and before I know it, it's six hours later and I got to wake up in one hour to go to work, you know, but it's, it's just, a, I hate to say the word expressive, but really I just kind of expressed something that was kind of within and now I can make it a, a palpable thing that somebody could look at, so to speak. When you went to school and actually sat down and you're starting from the beginning of learning an art form that's also trade, what was that like? <laughs> There's a lot with that. I was utterly excited. Like for the first time ever, I was actually looking forward to going to school, which is weird. You know, my dad always laughs about that. I go from the straight C and D student to a straight A student. You know, I, I think it had a lot to do with doing something that I actually genuinely loved. So I was gobbling up all that information. And I know I bugged my teachers because I had a, a million and one questions. And typically I was the only one over 25. I had a few other military guys in there with me, but it also kind of let me, you know, 20 years in the military, you become a mentor. 
So now I'm kind of back in that same position with younger kids. And I have a little bit of experience in photography and I also have a lot of experience in leadership. So I see some of these kids that are struggling and I can help them out mentally just with some sort of encouragement or, Hey, I know a little bit about a camera and you're just learning how to turn it on. Well, let me show you. And I remember one of the instructors, Sarah Press loved that. You know, I just kind of naturally fell into it and I just naturally love it. I'm, I'm in no way complimenting myself here. It just kind of happened that way. So it made me happy all around. I loved helping. I loved teaching. And then I loved learning the art. So, I mean, it, it really just kind of encompassed everything. And she was the one that kind of put that in my head. Hey, when you graduate, you should probably come back and try to teach and I'll write the letter for you. And I thought, there we wow. go. That, oh my that, gosh. That's my so next that, step, you know? Like, so that, that, that's, that's the MFA part, part that we'll get into. Exactly. And that's Sarah Press put me on that path, you know, like, oh, okay, wow. yeah, I, this is, that's a great idea. Something I never thought of, but combines two things. I'm an artist and I love teaching and I love helping. So perfect. And, and you were saying that you know, that military program of, you know, moving through and mentoring and, and training guys just became natural for you then, yeah? I don't think I intentionally did it. It's just, I could sit in the back and I could see, I remember one girl in particular, just sitting there frustrated and struggling and didn't want to raise her hand and just would be upset right. with later. And I just kind of chat with her afterwards. Like first off, don't ever compare yourself to somebody else. That's the worst thing you can do. And then second, let me show you how to turn that thing on. We're going to put it on that little dial. We're going to put that on M and I'm going to show you how to use that. And I, I, I had classes with her for the next two years after that. And, and she sat next to me all the time and I helped her out and. It was just, it was fun. It worked out for her. It worked out for me mentally. You know, I was able to kind of maintain that part of the quote unquote military leadership part for me. And then at the same time, I was still getting some great education in art. For what you were learning, even though somebody who had a bit of a background, how did your work change? If you went from working on, well, I'm doing stuff, which a lot of people do. It's like, I'm doing it. I'm making money. Therefore, in very, very small letters, I'm successful because I'm getting a paycheck. But then you're now getting trained in it. What changed? You know, all those stupid little questions that I had over the years that other photographers couldn't answer or couldn't help me with, or just wouldn't help out with. Yeah. I ran into that a lot. I, mean, I was going to say photographers are notorious for not telling you anything. The academy taught me. I mean, my mind was blown the first time I learned about the rule of thirds and <laughs> anybody that just heard me say that will laugh because it's the most basic, most simplest thing that we have, but putting that on my phone and putting that on my camera. Improve my pictures dramatically. You learning what the hell focal length meant right. and what the F and F stop meant, you know, and then, and then also that you got to keep your shutter speed faster than your focal length. Those were all things that I was struggling with as a self-taught photographer that now I've learned. And I remember Tim Mina teaching me about lines and leading lines and how most images need an entrance and an exit. And, you know, now I'm, I'm implying leading lines to my families or, mm -hmm. you know, just the, the golden rule, all that stuff, everything. I remember I look back at those pictures that I took in the first time. I thought, I can't believe people paid me for this. And I look at some of my stuff now, which I'm proud of now, but I know somewhere a couple of years down, I'll look back and go, gosh, I can't believe people paid me for that too. But <laughs> you know, it just the academy started off with the simple, basic tools, which is what I need and plugged those holes. And then when it came to the more advanced stuff, then I could really pick up I, you know, I, I, I sat down with John Vano all the time and asked him a million and one questions and marketing, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff that I really needed. I could focus on that. And then that just really kind of blew up from there too. You, you're keyed on collaboration. What changed for you with that? 
collaboration was probably one of the best things because now you've got three photographers working together. And if you got the, the right mix, somebody knows something that you don't, and you know something that that other person doesn't. So now you're spilling ideas at each other and well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I do know how to do that. And here's how we can do that. Great idea. Or the same guy, his name's Lino. We were in every class together for three years. And every day after class, we would go off together and I would watch him photograph like, man, I never thought of that angle. I never thought of getting down that low, vice versa. Same thing with him. He was watching me. He's like, man, I love your style. I'm so jealous of your work. I say, yeah, I love your style. I'm jealous of your work. That's funny. <laughs> so then we'd start, we'll try this, try that. Having more people there that, that have the same creative mind, but throwing out more ideas that it just allows you to grow and, and become better. Hey, just want to take a very quick break and say thank you for listening to Creative Mind. If you have any questions or thoughts, let us know. Click on the show notes for our email or head over to anchor.fm slash creative mind to leave a voice message. A lot of stuff in art school is very singular. You know, if you're a painter, you're an illustrator, it's you alone in a dark room doing what you got to do. But photography, you know, we don't have dark rooms anymore, so that pun's not going to work. But you have the idea of you, you are working with a lot of people. You know, we're talking about family portraits and we're going to get into later about you know, your family portraits and the wedding and, and the business side of it. But for spring show, your landscape and drone work and then your satellite imagery just blew everybody away. That was a happy accident. Right after I retired, another friend of mine that I was stationed with in the military, he did a little bit of photography and he and I would kind of collaborate while I was still in. Well, when I retired, he said, I just picked up this drone, man. It's the greatest thing ever. You need to pick up a drone too. And I thought, ah, what can a drone do? You know, but the more, and he started talking to me about it, the more excited I got on it. And I kind of mentioned it to my wife, Carolyn, and she said, yeah, just get one. When your wife gives you the green light, you jump. Really cool, fun one too. And, and I, and I said, yeah, you know, I can incorporate this in family sessions. I can get more beach and blah, blah, blah. And it sounded great. And so I got this drone and I gosh, I remember my first flight, I was down in Oceanside, California, and I sent that thing up in the air and I was going to photograph that pier and I was stressing and I was sweating, you know, how I'm going to lose this expensive toy. And, <laughs> but I remember getting up there and my perspective changed and I'd never seen anything aside from being in an airplane, but I didn't have control over an airplane or flying in a helicopter. I finally had my hands on sticks and I could move my camera any way I want. And I started doing way more flying than I did with my regular camera. And to be honest, I still, I, I pick up my SLR camera when it's time to go to work and I pick up my drone when it's time for therapy. You'd mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you joined the military cause you wanted to skydive and now it seems like you're, you know, reverse skydiving or it still gets me up there. It's just much safer. That's all. <laughs> I just have to worry about something falling on my head is all. What was the appeal and what led it to this satellite photography that you're doing? Oh gosh, I need to remember names. I'll have to look his name up, but Mishka Henner was introduced to me by one of my instructors mm -hmm. and I feel bad that I forget his name because he was an awesome instructor. But anyway, Mishka Henner was introduced to me with one of his satellite pictures of cow feedlots. And I thought I never, it's one, well, it was a killer image and it was, it was the size of my wall. It was mm -hmm. in an art gallery in San Francisco. And he knew I liked drones, so he showed this picture to me and it was amazing. It looked like this big blood splot in the middle of fields and super cool, super gorgeous. And I thought, I never even thought about 
using a satellite. How simple is that? Because we have six of them at our hands right here on our computers for crying out loud. Mm. So I remember, and I know composition, so that made it simple. So I went home that night and I pulled up Google Earth of all things. It's free. Pulled up Google Earth and then I started tr traveling the world, quote unquote. And you find interesting things in the middle of nowhere in the Sahara Desert with lines, what have you, that people would never see. And then I'd fly over, fly over it, quote unquote, and I would compose it just right and I could capture it. And then I would throw it in Lightroom and I would edit it. But I remember I didn't come out of my office for probably two days once I discovered what I could do with satellites. And, you know, I was telling them I've been all over the world in two days. And, and, and I know you're, you're making this, you're, you're vastly simplifying what you did because the work is insane. And I'm not saying that to, you know, just cause it sounds good, but the work really, I mean, I, I have a friend who is a rocket scientist and I went, look at this. What did he do? <laughs> I don't understand. You, you, you work with satellites. What's, what's going on here? And he, and he, you know, he explained to me very similar to what you were doing. He's like, it's probably what's going on, but the work you're finding and the way you're composing that didn't, didn't just happen. That's lessons I get from the academy, learning about composition, rule of thirds, leading lines, leading lines is like me and leading lines are two best friends. I love lines and I love shapes. I love abstract. So the Sahara desert, it, it is a hodgepodge full of stuff like that. Mm. A lot yeah. of my work comes out of the Sahara desert. You know, you start off with a blue circle, which is the earth, and then you got to zoom in and you got to find something interesting. And then once you find that something interesting, you're zooming in a little bit more and then you're flipping the, you know, you're using your little hand gesture and the, the mouse to flip it around and compose it just right. And, and then cropping, that's another big sure. deal too. You know, you can crop out some information that isn't necessary and it makes a whole different picture. So if. It's, uh, I, I hate to use the word simple, but if you know the basics of photography and you know how to float around on Google Earth, you can find some pretty incredible stuff out there. Simple's okay, because anybody that knows simple goes simple. Ooh, simple's not easy. When somebody gives, says, give me a simple design, it's like, oh man, come on. You know, can you, can you <laughs> I can throw glitter on anything. Don't tell me to do simple. <laughs> and honestly, the other thing the Academy taught me, which is key, is Lightroom and Photoshop stuff. I mean, some of this stuff looks great in Google Earth, but until you put it in Lightroom and really put your own twist on it, mm. that really brings out some incredible features that are in these landscapes that most people have never seen. I right. love mood. I love adding mood. How difficult or easy was that, that post-production training and that, that creating your voice in post-production? Well, I mean, something I've learned too, from many of my instructors is that you gotta, you gotta have a, a vision. You can't just go out there with your camera, like, as you would say, just kind of throw things against the wall and see what sticks. Sure. You can do that. And out of a hundred pictures, two of them might come out, but if you kind of go out there with a vision. So for me, in certain cases, last weekend, I went out to California where I, I know where these abandoned air force bombers are mm -hmm. from the cold war era. And I met two other photographer friends out there and we were going to do uh, Milky way photography. We're almost oh, wow. out of Milky way season. And we're all drone pilots as well. So we brought our SLRs for nighttime photography, but we also knew that we were going to shoot the sunset or sunrise in the morning with our drones. So, but anyway, my point to this is I drove out there with a vision. I'd been out there before. I'd already scoped out the area. If I have it my way, I don't just show up to a location and photograph it. I'll go out there. I'll scope it out. I'll look at it. I'll kind of let my brain mull around on exactly how I want to shoot it. 
and then I'll go back to it with a vision. So I drove out to this place with a vision, how I wanted the angle in capture. There's two planes in this particular spot, how I wanted to capture both planes and how I was going to angle it in such a way to get the plane and the Milky Way. And then that comes into what camera do I use? What lens do I use? What are my settings going to be in my camera? So the three of us all got together before we went out there and discussed ISOs, apertures, lens, focal length, all that sort of thing before, because you don't want to just show up and pray for the best. You have this amount of time and you want to use up every bit of it. And again, this goes back to collaboration. Our photographs aren't going to come together in the end, but the three of us out there, if I didn't know one thing, my friend next to me knew what to do, especially when it came to astrophotography. So now when I say I have a vision, I have a vision for shooting it, but I also have a pretty good vision of how I'm going to edit it in post, Mm -hmm. whether it's going to be so I have two different lifestyles when it comes to photography. I have family photographies. Most moms don't like dark and moody when it comes to photographing their precious kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I go there thinking I'm going to overexpose just a little bit so I can bring all the bright lights and everybody's happy and blah, mm. blah, blah. So I go there knowing that. Well, and then if I'm doing personal stuff, especially with my drones, I know I'm going to underexpose just a little bit because I want that mood. I want those rich textures and those rich tones to come out. So going out there, I knew that when it came to my drone stuff, I was going to underexpose because I knew in post, I was going to give it kind of a warm, darker tone that really brings out what you see in a sunrise. You've got the photography and portrait, excuse me, you've got the portrait and, and wedding business, which I'm sure takes up a massive amount of time. Now you're venturing into the world of fine art. Is this something you thought you were going to be doing? I, I, I know that coming into the academy, it was one of those dreams that you had that you didn't think was attainable until you get into the academy, you realize, oh, people are doing this and I can do that. So starting off, no, but being in the academy, yes, especially being exposed to so many galleries. I remember seeing Candace Rollerson. She had her own gallery with her own session and she did this amazing small figuring work, blew my mind. And I remember that was my first semester too. And I told her, I want to do what you do and you need to help me. That's the big part. John Vano said it once, it's 30% talent and it's 70% marketing. So that's my conundrum. I think I have the talent. I just don't know how to market myself the way I'd like to. My dream would be, I have my own gallery somewhere that people can walk in and see my satellite imagery on one wall, which is 10 foot by 10 foot or whatever. And then my drone imagery on the other wall, which is, you know, also larger than life and people coming in and we have cheese parties and wine tasting parties. And they're looking at my art and the more they drink, the more money they want to spend on my art. There we go. That's the ultimate goal. (laughs) Many people forget that that is the goal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Getting there is the tough part. So you've been doing this now for, you know, professionally for what, 10 years, 15 years, you say? And honestly, I don't say I was a professional until I started going to school because that's where I really started filling my shoes Mm -hmm. and feeling like I knew what I was doing for a change and that I was probably worthy of charging people for a change. So for, I've been making money at it for 15 years, but I consider myself a professional when I joined the Academy of Arts. Do you feel comfortable calling yourself an artist now? Oh yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah. I have stuff that I look at and go, gosh, that's amazing. I love that. So I'm actually proud of my work and I'll, I'll consider myself an artist. Yes. My second semester at, at the Academy of Arts, when I submitted for the spring show and one of my images got selected, I, I, I don't want to say I didn't take that seriously, but cause I did. 
but I submitted thinking, all right, nobody ever gets selected their first time. This will kind of get my feet wet and I'll figure it out. And then next year it'll be a better process. And then one of my images, one of my drone images got selected and people kind of made a big deal out of it, which to me, the, the picture itself wasn't a big deal, but when people started making a big deal out of it and saying, no, this is amazing. And this is why it, I impressed Michael Sims. And if anybody knows Michael Sims, you don't impress that guy. He loaded that picture and he's been a huge inspiration as well. That's when I started going, okay, so I think I'm there. I think I have the talent and I have at least the wherewithal to make something bigger and better. So that's first year at the Academy of Arts. How do you find the path or how do you get yourself into that creative zone? <laughs> I look at other people's stuff. <laughs> so who influences you then? Who, who's somebody that you look at and go, oh, oh yeah. Gosh, you have to put me on the spot right now. <laughs> I, I do have a few of those guys. Chris Picard is one of them. He is Neo Humanity on Instagram. I, I discovered him four years ago when I first started the Academy of Arts. And he was doing a, a mix of drone stuff and then just regular landscapes and somebody actually introduced him to me too. And I thought that whoever this guy is, I want to do what he's doing because he's incredibly talented. He's producing beautiful work and he's traveling the world and getting paid to do it. Mm, so right, it's one thing to make your own stuff and be proud of your own stuff, but then it's another thing to get someone to pay you for it, you know, and that's what this guy was doing and he was one of them. So the biggest one that I give all credit to is Dwayne Michaels. He was introduced to me by Tim Mina in, in my first semester mm -hmm. and Ralph Gibson was another one. So those two guys changed my outlook in photography altogether. And it also kind of lit a different kind of creative fire. So that's honestly where it started. And even though they have nothing to do with drone stuff, that was the one that said, okay, get out and do something different. Get out and do something other than the mundane family photography you've been doing. Go pick up that drone and go outside. And that was kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to copy their work. It just means I've got a path and I've got a direction and these guys kind of put me on it without knowing. And here I go. What's the next uh, step for you? I've got a couple different steps. The masters, yes. Ultimately, if I had it my way, I would just teach. I love teaching. I got linked up with Dixie State University here at the community college recently, and I wrote a curriculum based on, you know, the learning from the Academy of Arts helped me with this, but I wrote a curriculum for shooting with your cell phone. And then I also wrote a curriculum for photography simplified and I submitted them and they accepted them. And I've taught both classes now and both have been very successful. And I'm going to go back in the fall and do it again. And that coupled with linking up with my masters, I'm really hoping that that is a stepping stone that will get me as a full-time, I hate that I'm going to use the word professor as a full-time professor. You can use the word professor, man. You're going to be a professor. All right, good. <laughs> I want to be a full-time professor as, as a photography teacher at Dixie State University, or if the Academy of Art wants me, hint, hint, <laughs> I would love to go and teach over there as well. But ultimately teaching would be awesome. I have been driving away from weddings because that is a taxing day and like I'm 47 years old and it hurts after a while. <laughs> we also moved to St. George, Utah, where there's a lot of building going on. So th there was a big push with that because I wanted to do more with my drones and ortho mm -hmm. mosaic photography and, and helping uh, builders kind of map out the land that they want to purchase uh, before they start building on it. You know, the commercial side of drone work as opposed to the fine art side. 
people need a, a, a very large view of land they want to buy that you can't get off Google Earth, but you sure. can create with drones. You know, a lot of people will pick up a camera and start doing photography. There's less creative work, and that's not diminishing anything that's not creative, but there's a huge amount of trade craft and a huge amount of working it as a, as a contractor or you know, you're talking about using your drone for estate construction, um, you know, you know, architecture and, 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 and land use that work for you where you're working with your camera as a tool, like a hammer. When it comes to the drone work, there's way more money in the non-creative side than there is not. <laughs> I've sold prints for my drone work and I've, I've made okay money from it, but where the money is, is construction builders or mines that need safety inspections over certain sections mm. of their mines. So all I'm doing is I, I pre-program my drone flight and it just goes, it creates a square line and it takes about 600 pictures of one lot. And I pre-program that all on my drone and I hit one button and I step back and I let the drone do the work. It is boring as all heck, but I get paid a great deal of money for doing something like that. <laughs> never, never a bad thing. And to be honest with you, I kind of prefer it that way. I like to have some sort of therapy. If I was getting paid to go out and capture beautiful stuff, that's one thing. But after a while, it's a job. I still need that therapy side of things where I'm going to go out and capture what I want, how I want to capture it as opposed to somebody telling me, I want you to capture it this way. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. which is, Hey, that's not a bad gig. Don't get me wrong. But right now flying and photography is my therapy. And I, so I like separating business from pleasure. The simplicity of making money with hitting a button on a drone and walking away is great. Cause that night I'll just go at sunset somewhere and I'll find something to photograph. So there you have it. Some great advice and a great story. And I hope you took some notes because if you've ever dreamed about a career in art and design, more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, and employers are on the hunt for the next generation of talented and, of course, skilled creative professionals. Here at Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco, and of course, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request info about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, industrial design, illustration, and fine art, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creative mind. My name is Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.